Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. How's everyone doing? How is Elevate this morning? Come on now. Come on. You can get louder than that. Come on. We're, we're here to worship a God who does miracles, who changes lives, who makes things happen. Give him some praise. Go ahead. Ah, I love this series. This is one of my favorite series. My name is Mike Sheffield. I'm your uh, MC for this uh, series. This is a series where uh, individuals from right here in your church that worship with you, that hang out, you might see them across the, the aisle or you might see them across the hub. They're just like us, okay? And, and, and they've got stories. How many know we all have a story? We all have a story. And how many know God wants to change your story? If you've got a mess going on, he wants to get up in that mess and change that mess into a message, okay? And that's what we're praying for today. Our first guest, he comes to us from all the way across the pond. I'm talking England, England. Uh, 37 years old, married to Jackie, who, by the way, Jackie is part of our worship team. And uh, they, uh, he has a 9-year-old daughter called Ellie. And uh, he's a family therapist at the Barber Center and has been attending Elevate for about eight years. By the way, each one of these speakers have their own entrance music. It's kind of like WWE. Okay? And uh, you're going to love his story. It is, it is just so awesome. Would you please welcome Dale Young. You can't stop me, what a song, and you can't stop me, nothing can stop me, and the good news is that Elevate, nothing can stop you guys either, because God is on our side. So that's the good news, that's the good news. Now the better news is not only is he on our side, but he sends an angel ahead of us to guard us along the way. So stay with me with that. So Chef said, I'm from England, and I grew up there, and... Growing up in England, um, I, football was kind of my life, the proper, the proper football, not none of this fake stuff. I'm joking, Elevate, I'm joking. <laughs> so on a Saturday, we would go and watch our uh, professional team, home and away, and then on Sundays, I would play, go home, and uh, eat some food and watch soccer as well. Uh, church, for us, was, we just used to go like for christenings. Uh, funerals, weddings, uh, I'd go occasionally with my grandfather, uh, not too, too often though, but if you was to ask me and my friends and family, we would all have identified as Christians. And so just a couple stats for you, uh, 59% of English people claim to be Christians or are Christians, with around 25% of people claiming no real um, religious affiliation. That 59% has dropped 10% in the last 10 years, and I'll get into that in a second. So the church where I was christened or baptized, um, there was a known church there in that site since the 11th century. Now, my daughter calls me old. I'm 37. 11th century is old, okay? So my church where I was christened on that same site, St. Nick's, is way newer than that, way newer. So that was built in the 13th century, and the spire was put there in the 15th century. And it's beautiful, big, big, tall, vaulted ceilings. Uh, stained glass windows, brick, tile floor, absolutely beautiful, but very old. And I think part of the 10% decline was due to not only the churches being old, but some of the mindset being old too. I need a church like Elevate right there. 
All right, I'm going to switch gears here. So I'm going to come back to England. Exodus 23:20. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and bring you to the place I have prepared, as I mentioned. So I've always, I've always kind of felt this, um, you know, God moving, and he positioned me where he needed me to be. So he's positioned me according to a higher priority than my preference, which is his purpose. So I've not always known the blessings that are going to be coming from positioning me there, and also what he's saving me from, what I don't even know about that he's saving me from, from being, from being where he positioned me. 2009, I was recruited by Mercius to come and play soccer in America. Uh, the only way God could get me to Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, nothing against Erie, Pennsylvania. I didn't know it. I love this place. It's an amazing place. Uh, but it was the only way he could get me here because I didn't know of it. So the first night of preseason, I'm, I'm new in America, new in, new in Erie, Pennsylvania. We've got two days coming, a lot of work. My roommate, who I've only just met, lights are out. I'm like, right, we need some sleep. We've got two days. There's a long, long day coming. He keeps his light on. I'm like, what are you doing? It's preseason tomorrow. Turn your light off. He says, I'm reading. Okay, what are you reading? He says, I'm reading the Bible. So this was all very new to me. And I remember thinking, oh, cool. That's cool. Uh, we played some games. And after the, during the games, we would be fighting these teams. And soccer, it's, it's pretty tough sometimes. After the games, everybody would huddle together. And everybody's praying together. And I remember looking over thinking, this is different. This is this is." I like it. It's cool. I just remember feeling different. So fast forward, I finished college. I was there for two years, um, and I was trying to stay in America, see what happened. Um, I'd graduated, see if I could get a job and whatnot. And then I found out I was going to be a dad. Um, being a dad is one of the greatest blessings God has ever given me. Um, at the time I found out, I was living in an unfinished basement illegally in Mercier's campus, and my rent for living there was a case of beer a week <laughs> and a subscription to a soccer channel. So <clears throat> not exactly the place I wanted to be. In hindsight, I was borderline homeless. I didn't have an address. I didn't have anywhere to be. I was just in this basement and I was riding to work at the mall on a, on a bicycle that had no brakes up and down Peach Street. <laughs> not the best idea in the world. That, that bike ironically got stolen. Right? God was protecting me, right? <laughs> so here I am, living in an unfinished basement, about to be a father, feeling nervous, scared, completely unprepared, and my family's 4,000 miles away in England. Not how I had planned parenthood to be for me, but again, not my preference, but my purpose. So the greater the assignment, the greater the assistance. I needed to grow up. It was time to grow up. So... God has blessed me so far, and he continues to bless me. So Ellie's mom and her side of the family really stepped up in a major way, got a house. Apparently, not all landlords accept beer as rent money. <laughs> so I was paying rent. I had some amazing people come into my life, amazing mentors, uh, real God-loving men. And I had one text me this morning, actually, just words of encouragement, which helps a lot. Uh, all, all of that ultimately led me to being saved and then coming here to Elevate Church. I remember walking through the doors, feeling welcomed, feeling this is very different from any churches I've been to, especially in England, and I was uncomfortable within myself. Um, 
But along the way, it's not always been great. There's been, you, there's been things that come up against me. And I remember a book given to me by one of my mentors. And it was called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. There's a story in the Bible about Benaiah coming face to face with a 400-pound lion. What are you going to do? So he chased this lion. He chased the God-ordained opportunities despite them being uncomfortable. So we have God on our side. All we have to do is just take the action. So that's what I was doing as well. And God was working in my life. He can't steer a parked car. We have to take action. So let's wrap this up. Back to England. Two-thirds of people identified as being Christian in England. So God had me in a place where he needed me. And I needed to be worked on. I needed to change first. But by me changing, it caused a ripple effect. And that ripple continued onto the boundaries. And in my life... So sometimes our purpose, I think, we think of as earthly things. I wanted to be a professional athlete. Some people might want to be doctors uh, and so on and so forth, which is great. And I encourage you guys to do that. But I think part of everybody's purpose is to make heaven crowded. Like, let's, let's help people come closer to God. Like, I had the mentors helping me in my life come closer to God. We have to be the light. In Matthew, it talks about us being the light on the top of the hill, shining down and in, walking into empty um, Dark rooms, be that light. Do not underestimate the ripple effect you are causing by being in this room and coming to church weekly, no matter where you are in your journey with God. So now, so now fast forward. My family, they book, when, they're coming to, when they're coming into America, the first thing on their itinerary is, is church. When are we going to church? We're going to church every Sunday. That's, that's, that's what they're looking forward to. They pray. They're attending churches in England. They view this online. Christianity to them is no longer an adjective describing what they are. It's now a verb, and now they are doing it. They are carrying it out. They are seeking a closer relationship with God. So they're, they're rippling with their people too. They're talking about it. They're watching online. I have an amazing family on, on my wife's side and, and on my, my daughter's side as well. They all attend church. My daughter, one of the biggest blessings in my life, goes to a Christian school. The woman of my dreams is also one of the biggest blessings in my life. Good catch. Thank you. Also one of the biggest blessings of my life, she attends this church and she's part of the worship team. I have some of the best friends and the best church family that I could ever ask for. And none, I don't know how much of this would have happened had not positioned me being uncomfortable in a place where he needed me to be. But I, like you, have things come against me. I have my giants. I have, I have life happen. My aunt passed away at 64 last year of cancer during COVID. I hadn't seen her in two years. I didn't see my family for three years because of COVID in England. I had to reschedule my wedding three times. So my line might look different than your line that we're face-to-face to. But what we've got to know is that we've got God on our side. We've got to take action and move forward. Because the greater the assignment, the greater the assistance. Thank you. Awesome. You have God on your side. Remind yourself of that. And the devil is under your foot. Just stomp your foot. Go ahead, stomp your foot where you're at. Amen. Thank you. That's awesome. A little louder next time. Come on. Our next speaker, uh, she comes from Crawford County, came to Erie to attend Mercyhurst uh, University. Uh, she wanted to complete her music therapy internship, oldest of five, uh, and she's been attending Elevate for about two years, 
and uh, she's a residential enrollment coordinator at a nursing facility here locally. Please give it up for Katie Mahilo. I feel like it's really hard to follow up that British accent. I'm also terrified my papers are gonna fly off, but it's fine. Um, before I get started, I wanted you guys to think of the person that's played the biggest, most important role in your life. That could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be your parent, teacher, role model, somebody even famous um, that you feel like has just defined who you are in your life. Um, for me, that was my dad. My dad left when I was about eight years old. Um, and when my dad left, it was really traumatizing for me. I was really devastated. And I felt like I had this huge hole in my life. Um, and for the longest time, I identified myself as, you know, that girl who didn't have a dad. And, um, yeah. But as I got older, I was super insecure. And I had a lot of trust issues. I didn't trust friends. I didn't trust father figures. I didn't trust... Um, romantic relationships. I just kind of kept everybody um, at an arm's length. And I don't really have friends from when I was a little kid, because like I said, I kind of moved around a lot and I kept them at arm's length. Um, <clears throat> I'm a big people pleaser. I grew up just feeling like I had to do the right thing to earn people's love and respect. Um, and I never let God be in control <clears throat> because I just felt like I had to be in control of everything, and I blamed my dad for everything. We had a really poor relationship, um, and a lot of bad things happened after he left, so that's what I blamed him for. Um, I had a brother with disabilities, and when I was 18 years old, he passed away, which I have done, dealt with anxiety my whole entire life, but depression was kind of a new thing for me, and um, I was really angry at God, and just like the way everything had happened, I felt like I didn't deserve any of it. I didn't feel like my family deserved any of it, and I just kind of strayed from him for a while. Um, when I went to college, because I wanted, um, you know, that perfect marriage where I didn't get divorced, unlike my parents, um, I settled for someone who wasn't the best for me. Um, and three years into the relationship, we got engaged, we moved in together, and I just remember feeling like I had lost um, who I was as a person. Um, I believe that God heard that prayer, even though I didn't really want anything to do with him. He heard that prayer on the inside of my heart, and he began putting things into place. Um, right around that time is when COVID started, and that and a few other things kind of made me realize I did not want to be with the person I was with, so I broke things off with him. Um, I lived on my own, which was really scary. I didn't think I could do it. That's part of why I moved in with him in the first place, the whole control thing. Didn't feel like God was going to take care of me. Um, and just to, I was running from that hurt of that father wound, and I kind of was just with guy after guy. And it was really kind of funny because I look back now, and it would be like every time I'd talk to a guy, I'd be like, oh, look, there's this guy. And God's like, no, Katie, no. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, but what about this one? And he's like, no, Katie, not him either. He's an idiot. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, but what about him? And he's like, no. And then I decided to be single, and it lasted for a day. <laughs> and then I met my old boyfriend from high school, and he was like, oh, I want to be in a relationship with you and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. And 
two months and one emotional breakdown later, he was like, okay, peace. And um, that's when God uh, finally broke me down. I was just in this place of like, God, I don't, I just feel like I have nothing left. And he's like, Katie, if you're willing to do this with me, I'm going to move in big ways. So I started coming to Elevate in January of 2021. I was really skeptical because I had grown up around a bunch of people who proclaimed to be Christians and didn't, you know, love me or treat me the way a Christian should. And so I just was skeptical. But despite all that, I decided to go all in. I joined a life group. I joined the worship team. And God used Elevate to bring a community of people who loved me for who I was, who um, lifted me up, who spoke words of life into me, and who... <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> and who just, you know, it was very healing for me in a lot of ways. Um, I was really on fire for God, but I still, like, had that pleasing people mentality, and I was spreading myself way too thin. I was really struggling with anxiety and depression, and it was just sneaking up on me. I didn't expect it. And then what really pushed me over the edge was um, my dad, he got COVID at the end of November. And I always, you know, wanted that, that better relationship with my dad. And I thought I was going to have my whole life with him. And so, like, him being in the hospital from COVID really shook me to my core, and I fell into an even deeper depression. I was trying to harm myself. I was thinking of ways I could end my life every single day. And by uh, January 8th of this year, my dad died. Even though I was praying that God would heal him and I was hoping that, you know, and believing that God could heal him because God can absolutely heal whoever, whenever he wants. But sometimes, you know, we live in a broken world and things don't happen the way we want them to. And um, I have begun to see God move in many ways from this. And he works all things together for our good. Not just the good things, but he works the bad things too. And I have began to see that. Um, I'm, you know, doing a lot better now with my depression. I'm on the road to recovery. I have an amazing support system. I am with a wonderful man of God and his wonderful family who love me very much, and I love them. <laughs> um, I have my family. I have, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of good friends and people who just love me unconditionally. Um, give me a minute. <laughs> my mom told me when I was a little girl that God would be my father, and you know, I believe that in my head my whole entire life, but I don't think that ever really transferred to my heart until I didn't have my earthly father, and um, just like everything that's happened in my life, I've seen God take it, and I've seen him turn it around for good. I wouldn't be standing here before you guys today if it wasn't for God, um, and I feel like, you know, God brought me here to tell you that um, you feel like you're not seen and you feel like you're not heard, uh, but he is here and he hears you and he sees you and you feel like you've been in the desert and you feel like you haven't found that healing that you need and you think that, you know, it's never going to end and you're wondering, you know, when is it going to be my turn? But um, 
It's there. It's coming. And he will move the heavens and the earth for you because he has for me. It's there and it's coming. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Hopefully you dig in and find that today. And Katie uh, mentioned something. You know, people we have in our life, it's important who we have in our lives. And like I said it last week, if, if you have friends that aren't speaking life into you and encouraging you and can pray with you, you need to find some new friends. Okay? Our next speaker, um, he's from the Ukraine. Came here to the United States in 2000, happily married for 16 years, a father of four, owns a local flooring and real estate company, and has uh, been attending Elevate for about a year and a half. And his story of faith and, and, and the promises of God, which by the way, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Come on, somebody. Please help me welcome Alex Borsensko. Hello, everyone. Uh, <clears throat> my redemption coming to Jesus story is kind of boring compared to these guys. I was born into a Christian family. I was born into a family of a Pentecostal pastor, and uh, I married into also a pastor's family. My father-in-law is a pastor of a Baptist church. For, so for as long as I can remember, I was always in church, always was this type of church boy, I guess. But uh, the story I want to share with you guys is a story that happened to my and my wife's lives uh, just about five years ago and as recently as about uh, three months ago. Now we have uh, three amazing boys. <clears throat> we have uh, one in high school, starting high school, one uh, still in middle school and one in elementary school. And you know, after having three boys, I think it's only normal for any parent to want a baby girl after that because we always wanted to have at least four kids. And uh, we, about five years ago, we got pregnant uh, with, uh, uh, with the, we got pregnant and uh, we were really excited. It was an exciting time. We were really looking forward to having that baby. And you know, the chances were pretty high it would be a girl, at least 50% chance. So <laughs> we, 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 we took that chance, you know, we, we were really, you know, we would take a boy, but nothing wrong with boys. We love boys, but you know, you, when you want, and uh, we were, uh, just definitely looking forward to having a baby. And uh, we went to the first couple uh, appointments, uh, checkups. Uh, everything turned, uh, looked really good. So the baby looked, checked out really well. And when we got closer to <coughs> uh, midterm, we went, we went in for a regular checkup and hopefully to find out the gender. And we were really hoping for a girl. So uh, we were hoping to find out the gender at that appointment. But when we went in, uh, to our local, uh, to, to our OBGYN office, the doctor, she was trying to locate a heartbeat for a little bit, uh, for about a minute or two, and w without having any luck, she told us, hey, let's, I'm going to take you to another room, and uh, they hooked us up to an ultrasound machine, and after a minute or two, she turns around, and she's like, hey, I'm sorry to tell you this, guys, but uh, there is no heartbeat. <laughs> for us, for us, we were really looking forward to having that baby. And uh, it was like going 90 miles an hour and then hitting a brick wall. We had no idea how to cope with it. We had no idea how to process this. That was not on our plate. We had no idea that was coming. So we went in to find out the gender of the baby and here we find out that our baby is dead. 
And because we were so far into the pregnancy, we actually had to deliver the baby. And uh, we scheduled for the next morning to deli uh, deliver the baby. And uh, that night was probably the worst night in my life. It's knowing that you have a baby in your wife's womb that doesn't have a heartbeat. And uh, all your dreams and everything is shattered, all your plans are shattered, and you know that you will ne never get to hold that little baby. It just, just, it, it was crushing us. And uh, next day, we, uh, my wife delivered the baby, and for the first time ever in my life, and for the last time ever, I, I held that little baby girl in my arms. It, it was a girl that we really wanted. So the next few months were pretty rough. We actually, we had to go through the funeral and uh, all that stuff. And uh, next few months were pretty rough. But I'm so thankful to God. I'm so thankful to him that a couple of years prior to that, he put us on a spiritual journey where me and my wife, we, we were deconstructing the old religious, these toxic views of God of this revengeful God, of this God who is mad, who is always watching for you to mess up so he can punish you, so he can take you down. All these religious views of a God were going away and we were reconstructing all that with the healthy gospel of the loving Father, of the Father who loves us. And no matter what our life was bringing to us, we knew that we had this loving Father we could come to and we could weep. And he would wipe away our tear because he was always on our side. And these bad things were happening as a result of a broken world, as a sin-filled world. And just knowing that gave us so much comfort that during that time we were not running away from him, but we were running to him. And for the next six months or so, we couldn't even talk about having a baby. But uh, after about six months, we, you know, we, we were feeling like we were really missing out on that, that girl. And we decided to have a baby again. And uh, after three years of no luck, we were losing hope. Uh, a year ago, me and my wife, uh, we were sitting in our living room and just talking, analyzing things. And uh, my wife, she tells me, hey, you know, we have these three amazing boys. They're perfectly healthy. Amazing boys. We have a beautiful family. Like, we're so lucky to be parents to these boys. And she's like, I'm starting to come to terms that maybe in this life I might never be able to hold a, another baby daughter in my arms. And, but she says, but it's so nice to have that assurance that we will spend eternity with her, with Jesus. And I look at her and I see so much pain in her eyes. And I know how much she wanted another girl. And again, feeling helpless, you're just like, come on. You know, so you know how they say right before you die, your whole life flashes in front of you. For me at that moment, it was like scripture started popping up in my mind. I saw Abraham who believed and received. I saw Jesus who said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you tell that mountain to move, it will move. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, you, you know, we, we lost all this hope and I get this thought just, you know, we've been learning about this God's power in us all this time. But it doesn't help us much if we don't use it. So I get up and I tell my wife, in the name of Jesus, you will be pregnant at the same time next month. And she looks at me and she's like, oh, okay, okay. She's like, you know, it hasn't happened in three and a half years. She's like, what's, uh, okay. So, uh. 
You know, not, next month was not easy. It was, it was pretty actually hard for me spiritually because Satan was trying to knock me down. When we were going through these valley, through these ashes, you know, the Satan was really trying to knock me down. He's like, hey, that God that you drew up in your head, that image of God that you have in your head, it's wrong. He's not as good as you think he is. I'm like, you know what? Get out of here. I was like, I don't want, don't talk to me ever again. The God I believe in is the God who is capable of doing miracles. Sometimes these miracles come a little bit later than we want them to come, but he shows up. So about six weeks, uh, I come home from work and I see my, uh, my, my, my wife. She's so happy. She's just like really excited. And I'm like, she, she's like, guess what? I said, am I going to be daddy again? She's, she says, yeah. And I hug her and I tell her, I'll tell you more. We're going to have a baby girl. And she's like, well, how, how do you know? I was like, well, when God is in the middle of doing a miracle, he doesn't stop halfway. A year later, a year later, we are parents to this amazing baby girl whose name is Ellie Grace. She is the miracle baby. She is the baby that was, that, that was given to us by our loving Heavenly Father. We, we love her to, to the moon and back. I just want to tell you guys this. When we see God properly for who He truly is, as a good father, when bad things do happen to us, we don't run away from him, but we run towards him. Because we know it's not God who is causing pain. We understand him as the God who, that only good comes from him. Evil cannot come from the same God. So we run to his arms, into his ar uh, loving arms, because we know that only in our heavenly father's arms we can find comfort only in his arms we can find healing only in his arms we can find grace we can find mercy and we can find redemption and you know what there is a redemption when we don't see a way out sometimes we are given up and we think it's all lost we somehow he always comes through because our Heavenly Father, He always wants best for us, just like we want the best for our kids. You know, when something happens in our kids' lives, it's not us who's causing these bad things to happen to our kids, but it's, it's life gives them, the, you, know, you know, it's a part of life. And kids, it's nice that they can know that they can come to us while they're going through those trials and, they, and we are always there for them to help them get through those trials and to help them come out victorious on the other end. Same thing goes with our Heavenly Father. He loves us so much. He's always on our side. He always wants best for us. And we were, when we were going through the ashes, when we were digging through these ashes, you know, He can make a beauty out of the ashes. Don't give up. And I just want you to know that He is a loving dad who is still in the business of doing miracles. Amen. Still doing miracles today. Hasn't stopped. Ain't going to stop. Whatever you're praying for, keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing. Get in the word. Surround yourself with people who will pray with you. Run to God. Whatever you're going through, run to him. He's there. Our last speaker 
35 years old, born in Berks County, Pennsylvania, lived here in Erie for 11 years, been attending and leading worship here at Elevate since 2013. Uh, she's the wife to Nate, mom to Eliza and Henry. She's the owner of McCutcheon Baked Goods. I said, baked goods, come on, somebody. Woo. And some awesome homemade ravioli. Just got to throw that out there, too. Uh, she's self-proclaimed awful joke teller and pun extraordinaire. She, she was up here worshiping earlier. She is awesome. She has, she's just chasing after God with her family. Please welcome to Ignite, Mary McCutcheon. All right, that's enough. <clears throat> all right, well, hello. Uh, you uh, all probably know me as a worship leader here. Um, but what you don't know is in the past I've been known as a lot of other things, um, including but not limited to drug addict, alcoholic, rape victim, convicted felon, prisoner, self-harmer, arsonist, suicidal, unstable, abuser, smoker, drug dealer, thief, homeless, Things the world called me and things that I started to identify myself as, they became my identity. So uh, as you heard, I'm married to Nate, and we have Eliza, who's 14, and Henry, who's four. But in 2019, we decided we wanted to expand our family. And um, by early 2020, I had two very early miscarriages, and then something crazy, like an unforeseen health thing, put me in serious condition, and we had to put all of that on hold. Um, and I, things were out of my control, and I just didn't really understand why we had to wait. Um, but what I learned is you don't need to understand why any of anything is happening or what um, exactly is going on to make the choice to believe that God's good no matter what. Like, it's a choice, and that's where I decided to have my faith, and I lived in that place during this time. So... Early last year, the doctor finally says, hey, go ahead. You, I think you can get pregnant now. Like, you should be good. And we had this renewed sense of hope. We were so excited. And, and so in November of last year, I got a positive pregnancy test. And uh, at our first appointment, I remember I saw the sweet little flicker of the heartbeat. And I just could not believe what was happening for us. Like, after all my body had gone through, this was finally happening. I thanked God um, and then two weeks later, I had another appointment. And that morning, I felt great. I had no nausea. I was glowing. And we were just excited um, for the appointment. And the exam started. And I quickly realized that something didn't look right. And things were just too still. Um, and so as she scrolled around my belly, I, I don't know how long it was, but it felt like forever, uh, before she finally said these words. She said, I'm sorry, but unfortunately, I'm not able to find a heartbeat at this time. I'll go get the doctor to come talk to you. So within seconds, the scream came up from the depths of my soul, and I started crying in a way that still haunts me when I think about it. And I remember, and the first, I remember looking up, and the first thing I said was, I said to God, I was like, what is the purpose for this? And looking back, that was not a moment of, like, questioning God, but rather, okay, I know you're going to use this. Like, I've already got faith that you're going to use it, but, but why? What is the purpose for this? And so the next day, um, I had yet another surgery to have the pregnancy we tried so hard to create removed. And I remember asking, why is everything in my life so hard? 
some people go their whole life and don't have anything traumatic or crazy happen to them, and I have enough for three lifetimes. And then uh, Pastor Will talked about God trusting us with trouble. And I started to look at my circumstances in that lens, and I started to um, realize that God was trying to trust me to glorify him in in those hard times. He trusted that whatever happened to me, I wasn't going to shrivel up into a pile of nothing. I was going to point it all back to him. Um, and honestly, if the, the whole reason for all of this happening was to just feel a comfort and a closeness to God that I had never known before, if that was the only reason for all of it, then that was enough for me. And um, so Christmas Eve came around, and uh, this was just two days after all of this, and I felt so held together and completely broken. Um, but I realized I had one opportunity to lead Uh, And witness from that exact moment, exact pain, um, that it was so fresh. To show that God gives us strength and that he's mighty, he's close, um, even when you feel like nothing makes sense. So I stood up there and sang. And people were like, why are you here? You should be home. Like, this is just so fresh. This just happened. Go home. I said, why? Because what else should I be doing? Crawling in bed and letting depression eat me alive? Isolate myself? I don't think so. And so... I chose to worship, and you know what happened that night? The presence of the Holy Spirit in me and around me was so thick in the air that night that I just felt covered. I felt complete. I just had this peace, and I can't explain it, but God promises um, promises in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I didn't understand it. I was like, how am I at peace right now? But at the same time, I'm human and I was angry and I felt broken and confused and exhausted sometimes. And I I, I knew God better than to think that he is just some puppet master using me as a guinea pig to execute his glory and has no consideration for me. No, I, I, I knew that was quite the opposite. He loves me so deeply. He loves us so deeply and so intimately. And he wants us to lean on him. He wanted me to just lean on him and cry and scream and whatever I needed to do because he could take it. So over the following months, my prayers consisted of desperate, please help me understand. Give my heart some type of closure. I'd had multiple early miscarriages, but this one was very different. I lost a person who I knew completely yet had never met and I couldn't talk to. And so one of the days when I was praying to God about this and just asking for all these things for the millionth time, um, the most incredible thing happened. And honestly, I wouldn't believe it if somebody else told me this, but because it happened to me, that's really the only only way. Um, But... God very, very clearly said to me when I was talking to him, he said, her name is Hannah. And I cannot stress enough how I would have never been like, oh yeah, my baby was a girl at this early or my baby was this name. Hannah wasn't even on our baby name list. But God knew that I needed to know her. He knew that. And so he introduced us. And, um, it's crazy because people will say like, well, how do you know that? How could you name her? And it's, we all can agree that God put us together in the womb and he knit us together and he knows every fiber of our being, but then we can't go further to say that he knows our name. He knows our name. So biblically, um, 
People shouted Hosanna as a cry of thanks. And however, they also shouted it as save us, rescue us, just as I was in this painful season, Hosanna. And I realized after some time that her name was the abbreviated manifestation of all of those prayers of thank you God for her. Then save me God from losing her. Then thank you God for whatever you're going to do because I know that you're gonna do something good. So after a while, I started to share her name and uh, still feeling kind of ridiculous. But my due date was August 4th, and I started to notice I was angry and short with people, and I felt absolutely justified. But I knew I had to share her, and that would bring healing, whether people thought I was crazy or not. And listen, I know a good bit of you may not relate to this infertility issues and miscarriages and surgeries and whatever, um, and I pray that you don't ever have to. And I'm like super thankful for Alex sharing his story. And he's on the other side of an amazing miracle that God's done in his life. Absolutely. But I'm still in the middle and I'm still waiting whether God has a baby in our future or not. I'm still waiting. And if there's anything you can take away from this, um, it's that no matter how bad it gets, he, he is near. He is closer than the air that we breathe, if you can even imagine. He knows every ache and pain. And he loves that we worship him. That's what we were created to do, but it's not just to worship him, it's because it does something inside of us. It heals us, it breaks generations of chains. When you let Jesus have the priority in your life, your perspective turns from why did this happen to how can you use this? The pain of this life hurts, but it's not forever. Feels like it is, but his kingdom is forever. And I remind myself of that daily. And the impact we have the opportunity to make in this life on behalf of his kingdom by letting him reign through our pain is what's gonna fill up heaven. So let him be the comforter, let him be your first call, okay? Because the world will give you a million identities and, and if you turn to the world, it's always gonna leave you disappointed. I turned to way more things before I turned to God. Let me tell you, it never filled me. But the world will give you a million labels and identities and you have an identity though. And it isn't any of the things that the world calls you. God calls you by your true name and God knows every fiber of your makeup, just like Hannah, whether unborn or hundred years old. And if we worship him and accept Jesus into our hearts and lives and ask, us, ask him to show us who he is, he will every time. He's promised us that. And not only that, but he'll tell you who you are because you are precious and honored. You are loved, you are treasured, you are a new creation, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are set apart, we are the salt of the earth, we are a city on a hill, we are the light of the world, our bodies are a temple, we are chosen, and most of all, we are free. And I worship from that place, I worship from that identity, from those names. I worship him despite the circumstances, despite my feelings, despite the pain. Make the choice to worship anyway until your heart starts changing, until you mean every word, because nothing will ever change who he is, but he can change everything that you are. So thanks for letting me share.
Let's just take a moment. Something has been said through all four of these beautiful, beautiful people today. And that's running to Jesus. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know what's going on. But I do have a sense that someone has been allowing themselves to be blocked up, coming to church, checking the box, and wondering, why am I still in this? Maybe today's the day you run. Maybe today's the day that you find a real relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the host of Almighty God. Maybe you're a young person here today, you're getting ready to start school, and you're going to be that young person that changes your school. Maybe you're an adult and, and, and you're, you're working at this job and, and all this stuff is around you. Maybe you're that person God is calling to change that workplace for his honor and glory. Maybe you're that person that God wants to call and use to change a city or a state or a country. Let's just take the, a moment, just bow our heads and let's just close our eyes and let's just, let's just run after Jesus today because you know he's standing there with his arms wide open. And he's saying, come to me. In all of your pain, all of your hurt, the anxiety, the depression, the loss, He's saying, I want to heal you and restore you. Just say, Jesus. Say it out loud to the whole church. Just say, Jesus. You know my hurt. You know my pain. You know everything about me. You knew me before I was even born. And right now, Jesus, I want to make you Lord. I don't want to just come to church and say you're Lord, I want to make you Lord. So the best way I know how, Lord, I'm asking you to come into my mess and turn it into a message. I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior right now. I believe that you are the Son of God you from the dead and I receive you now in Jesus name amen amen let's celebrate if you said that if you did our prayer team is going to be down here there's going to be folks to be down here tell somebody tell somebody get plugged in get some new friends get yourself in a small group get in a circle of people who speak life into you and text yes to Jesus to 97,000 Thank you so much for coming today. They'll be receiving your tithes and offerings at the door on your way out. Just keep coming back. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. 
If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.